All right, well, thank you for your patience as we talked about different things, lots of stuff going on. And, uh, but let's, uh, let's focus on God's Word. If you're here this morning with us as we celebrate Father's Day, if you're watching online, as we look at Philippians chapter 3, let's pray, let's ask for God's blessing on His Word this morning. Father, as we come before You, may we be encouraged in Jesus Christ. May we be challenged in our relationship with You. And Lord, may you be glorified in our following of your directives in our lives. Lord, uh, may nothing distract us from the principle of your word this morning. And Lord, may it be so much more than just the knowledge of, of a few verses, but rather, Lord, may we be challenged in being different people because of what your word challenges us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been talking, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and we're in chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, but as we've been going through it, we've been learning a little more about the city of Philippi, the people there, a little bit of the background over the weeks, we've been learning that, but one of the things about Philippi is it was a Roman colony, and that was a big deal. The Romans were the world power. And so to be part of the Roman nation, you had a lot of privileges. And so these people in Philippi, even though they were a long way away from the border of Rome, they still had the privileges of being Roman citizens. And we have a, a map here. And uh, so we see right over here is Rome. Here's Italy, the boot. You're probably familiar with that. But here's Rome. But but Philippi is all the way over here. And so they were a long ways away from the motherland, but they had a great deal of power being considered a Roman colony. And so if to get from Rome there, you know, you'd have to go all the way up and around, up into the wood frame up there, all the way and back down. You could take a little boat trip and it'd be a little shorter, but it was a trip to get from Philippi to Rome or from Rome to Philippi. But although they were a long ways away, they still were card-carrying Romans. And as Paul is talking to these people, they, they got the picture and an understanding of it because Paul was talking about how the people there in the church at Philippi weren't just Roman citizens. As followers of Jesus Christ, they were citizens of heaven. At another place, he uses the term that we are aliens. We are living here in this world, but our citizenship is in heaven. And so here in Philippians 3, Paul is reminding them and reminding us of where our true citizenship is. And along with that, we have privileges and responsibilities. As citizens of the United States, we have privileges and we have responsibilities. But we find here these people in Philippi, as well as us today, are citizens of a different place if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Follow along as I read verses 17 through 21 of Philippians chapter 3. 
It says, brethren, join in following in my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and, I tell you, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be transformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. As citizens of heaven, we have privileges and responsibilities. And Paul begins this section, though, with a little reminder and a challenge. In verse 17, we find that we have a pattern to follow. Verse 17 says, Brethren, let join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Paul is telling us to follow his example, to follow his pattern. Now, you may hear that and or read that, and you're thinking, eh, man, he seems to be a little arrogant there. You know, hey, just uh, follow me. Well, actually, in the Greek, it says that we're to be fellow imitators of Christ. And we know Paul was very humble because he talked often about his struggles that he had and the failures that he had. But he had a desire to imitate Jesus Christ. And he wanted them to join him just as we're challenged to join him in being that imitator of Christ. To represent our citizenship well. To be Christ-like. Today we celebrate Father's Day. And, and you think about it, and, and I know in this room... There are different father-child relationships. Maybe you're here today and you're a father and, and some of your children have struggled. Or you're here today and, and you didn't have a great relationship with your father. And, and oftentimes, as I'm a father and I know many of you in this room are fathers, and, and we look at our lives and we see our failures as fathers. The times that we have not lived up to our responsibilities. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you if you're a father here this morning that, that Paul gives us a great challenge to be an example of a godly life. We are all going to be imperfect. We're all going to struggle with sin, but we're called to be an example for others to follow. And so if you're a father here today, what, what a great opportunity to, to be an example for the next generation to see Christ in us. It's not just fathers, it's all of us. As Christians, are, are we living a life that is different? Where people look at us and they see God's love in our lives. As we strive to obey and follow Him. Whatever our position, we're called to be an example for Christ. But then Paul goes on in these next verses and, and he gives a contrast. A contrast between those who are 
or who have an earthly focus and those who are focused as heavenly citizens. First of all, those who have an earthly focus in verses 18 and 19, it says, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Now throughout this letter, Paul has been warning of these false teachers, of these bad examples. And and there were really two main groups that were these false teachers there in that area, in Philippi and the surrounding area. The first group we, we titled the Judaizers. That was their name. They, they were a group that taught that you had to follow the law in order to be saved. That a relationship with God was a, group, was a, a series of laws and rituals that a person had to follow. And we have seen, as we have been looking through this letter to the Philippians, that, that Paul has talked about them and that idea quite often. That a relationship with God is only possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our putting our faith in Him. That's our only hope. We cannot earn salvation. It is a free gift given by God through Christ. And our responsibility is to accept that gift by faith. But there was a second group of people that, that were influencing the community, influencing even the church there, and they were called the Epicureans. Now the Epicureans was, uh, had a, a Greek background, but they believed that the satisfaction of physical appetites or physical desires was the highest aim of people. Their focus was to do what makes you feel good. And we, as we read verses 18 and 19, we see some of that philosophy come out in Paul's warning about them. Their God was their belly and they set their mind on earthly things. But also in those verses we see their end. Their end is destruction. They were living for this life, but not thinking of life after death. And when you really think about it, if that's your goal, you don't have much to live for. Because all the things that they may have been striving for were things that were temporary. And things that in the scope of eternity were worthless. And so we see that to have an earthly focus has a disastrous ending. But then he contrasts that in verses 20 and 21 with what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Beginning in verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You see, the people of Philippi as Roman citizens had some incredible benefits as Roman citizens. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we have greater benefits as citizens of heaven. We have a, an eternal home. 
Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Uh, Michael had shared from Luke 10, 2 about the, the laborers needed for the harvest. But Jesus goes on in that chapter and talks about various things. And he gets to verse 20 and he says this, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. We have our name written in heaven. We have the hope of an eternal home. Because of Jesus Christ, we have an eternal address. I remember my brother uh, got married in Washington, D.C., and, and the wedding party had sort of a special treat a couple nights before the wedding. One of his groomsmen was a Secret Service agent who was there at the White House, was one of his main places where he served as a Secret Service agent. And so we got, as a wedding party, we got to go with him or meet him at the White House, and we got the tour of the White House. I mean, we got to go some places that the regular tour didn't get to go. And I remember walking by places like the Oval Office and taking one of Ronald Reagan's pens and putting it in my pocket as I walked. I didn't do that. But it was amazing to go there. And, and why could we do that? So we, we got there to the White House and it was, the even, it was in the evening after the regular tours were done. And what allowed us to go in and get this special tour? We just had to uh, show our ID and give the name of the person we were going with. Give the name of that secret service agent. And we were in. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have eternity with God because of Him. But not only that, we have access to God. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. We have a home in heaven, but while we live here on earth as foreigners, as aliens, we have access to God. As Jesus Christ died on the cross, the crucifixion, many things happened there around Jerusalem at that time. But one of the most amazing things that happened as Jesus was crucified was the veil was torn in half. This veil was this very thick curtain that separated the holy place and the holy of holies. The holy of holies represented the presence of God and the high priest was able to go in one time a year. But because of Jesus Christ, we all have access. We have access to a Heavenly Father that loves us and cares about us. We have the work of the Holy Spirit as He guides us. And so as Paul was sharing with these people in Philippi and sharing with us a reminder of the benefits of being citizens of heaven, but not just the benefits, we should also be reminded of the responsibility. Because as citizens of heaven, we should act like we're part of God's family. And we're not, we shouldn't be driven by the things of this world. We can enjoy what God gives us, but our goal shouldn't be things 
Our goal needs to be honoring Him. We make decisions based upon eternal values. We should think about things differently as we recognize what's important in our lives. Jesus reminded us to Sermon on the Mount to lay up treasures in heaven. The stories of Lot and Moses give a picture of this contrast. Now, Lot was Abraham's nephew. And in, in uh, the earlier chapters of Genesis, we hear Lot's story. But in Genesis 13, we get a picture of Lot's goals and plans. In, in Lot and was living by Abraham, his father-in-law, or his uncle, excuse me, his uncle. And, and Lot and Abraham, both of them had lots of livestock and lots of workers. And, and so the, the land where they were living could not hold them both. And so Abraham came up to his nephew Lot and he said, you know, we're, we're having lots of issues here, so, so let's spread out. There's lots of land and so I'm going to let you choose where you want to go and I'll go the other direction. And notice Lot's response in Genesis 13, verses 10 through 13. It says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered, watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden, it was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. All Lot could think about was how beautiful the land looked. The direction he chose was based solely upon a desire for a beautiful piece of property. Nothing else affected his decision. But Moses had a little different perspective. And we find a summary of Moses' story in Hebrews chapter 11. We call it the great faith chapter. Now, Moses' life is recorded in the books of Exodus through Deuteronomy as he led the nation of Israel to the promised land. But, but we sort of get his life in a nutshell in Hebrews 11. And listen to what it says in verses 24 through 26. It says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. What happened? You see, Moses was adopted into Pharaoh's daughter's family. She saw him there by the river and, and took him into her own home, the palace. But when it came down to it, Moses had a choice to make and he chose to follow God rather than to enjoy the luxury of the palace. And I love the end there of verse 26, where it says, For he looked to the reward. He saw what was most important. He saw what truly had value. And we're called to do the same.
Paul said, listen, follow my pattern. Are we following his pattern and are we a godly pattern for others to follow? And how are we that godly pattern? We are when we recognize our citizenship is in heaven and we live life not focused on the things of earth, but on the things of God. Serving Him, glorifying Him in the way that we live, and as we serve others and show His love. Let's pray. Father, as we come before You, help us to live differently. Help us to honor You in our lives, as we recognize that we're citizens of heaven and eternity is our focus. But help us to live differently today because of the blessings you promise for tomorrow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.